0: Today's reading from Mark chapter 10, verses Then came up as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Said Jesus, Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the roads.
1: Bear with me while I organise myself up here, folks. If we've not had the chance to say good day yet this morning, good day. I'm Simon. It's good to be here. Good to be unpacking God's word. We've just had a short passage, but. There's plenty for us to reflect on from it and a quick opening question for you. I wonder if you've ever considered following a blind beggar as your role model in life. Because we know role models are important, don't we? I mean, if you're a parent or maybe you've just got kids in your life who you care about, you know how important role models are. Whether it's the kids that they're hanging out with at school or the sporting heroes they gravitate to. I mean, speaking of sporting heroes, I think it's really interesting to see the way that we expect them to be role models. On the one hand, they're just athletes excelling in their field and their main job is to keep excelling. And of course, like all of the rest of us, at various points in life, they make great life choices and at other points, they make terrible mistakes, just like loads of other people. But, because they're in the limelight with a public role there's an expectation for them to be good role models and for grown-ups just as much as for kids but it's not just sporting stars is it we've just come through the round of australia day awards rightly highlighting the outstanding contribution of a whole stack of different members of our community and it's not just so that they receive the accolades for the great work that they've done but because we know that these are wonderful examples of a great contribution to society. We all know how helpful it is to have someone who can, who can show us a way forward, to show that it can be done, to provide an example that can be followed. And so as Mark brings us in his gospel to the final stretch, walking with Jesus towards Jerusalem and the cross that he knows awaits him, Mark gives us Bartimaeus as a role model. Now on the one hand Bartimaeus is just another person who met Jesus along the way Uh, it happened so Mark tells us about it but I think there are a bunch of reasons to see that Mark is telling the story of Bartimaeus as a case study of discipleship. Bartimaeus is being put forward as a role model an example of following Jesus. You might think, really, it was just so short, like Chris had hardly stood up and he was sitting down again. We've just had this really brief interaction. Well, I think there's a few different ways that Mark flags that Bartimaeus is an example of discipleship. And one of those things that he headlines for us is the simple fact that of all of the people who meet Jesus, Mark tells us his name. In fact, he even tells us what his name means. Actually, I think it's not so much what his name means as what it sounds like, what Bartimaeus' name sounds like to Mark's Greek-speaking readers. Bartimaeus, he explains. Bartimaeus is an Aramaic name that means son of Timaeus. What good does that do us? Well, I think Mark's pointing out a a lovely little play on words that that would ring in the ears of his original readers, reading in Greek, speaking Greek. Uh, The Greek noun, Timae means honour, worth, esteem, value. Um, Tamao is the verb from the same root, to honour, to show worth, to show respect or esteem. And so Mark is pointing out that this blind man's name sounds to the Greek ear like son of honour, son of worth. But is that how we normally treat beggars? They're very rarely shown any honour, aren't they? And we see that in this crowd here who, who rebuke Bartimaeus telling him to shut up and of course there I think Mark seems to be having even more fun with his words because the word for rebuke is epitomeo so the crowd epitomeo is Bartimaeus the crowd speaks disapproval over the son of honour Mark's catching our attention so that we notice this blind beggar and learn some really key lessons from him Now along the way we'll see how this encounter with Bartimaeus, as brief as it is, it actually sums up so much of Mark's gospel so far and rather than try and bombard you with all of the references on the screen or whatever, um, I'd encourage you to jump onto the little QR code, check out the sermon outline uh, later today if you'd find that helpful because I've stuck a whole bunch of the references up there for you to have a look at. So Bartimaeus' name is significant to Mark as he thrusts this man into the spotlight. He's pointing him out as an example of discipleship. And I was thinking through, how do we help to to feel the impact of this story? And I want you to imagine that you're in it. If you're willing to come with me on this, I want you to imagine that you're among the large crowd that Mark described walking with Jesus there in verse 46, travelling with Jesus and his disciples along the road. To sort of really grapple with that, we need a little bit of context. We've come to Jericho. Uh, Jericho is the last major city before Jerusalem. And it is the point where the road gets tough. This is the, where the road quite literally heads uphill. Uh, they didn't have those in those days, but this is Google Maps for us today. Um, with Jericho over on the right-hand side of the screen at the right end of the Wiggly Worm, which you look and think that is a very indirect route. Uh, If you were hiking at an age when there weren't significant political tensions in uh, the West Bank uh, and East Jerusalem at the moment, you can take a more direct route, but that's the way you've got to go if you want to do it today. Uh, But the point is, Jericho sits down at the very bottom of the Jordan River Valley. You can see a a squiggly dotted line over the far right-hand side of the picture there. It's about 400 metres below sea level there. And from Jericho to Jerusalem, it's all uphill. It's about 32 kilometres to walk with 1,200 metres of climbing. If you find numbers like that hard to get your head around, for local context, it's kind of like walking from Halleck Cove to Mount Lofty, but with almost twice as much climbing. So Jericho is the point where the trip gets serious. You're only going to bother sticking with Jesus if you think it's worth it. So with all of that in mind, picture yourself on that road with the crowd following Jesus and you need to remember you're not in the comfort of an air-conditioned car on a four-lane bitumen highway, right? (laughs) You're on foot. You're in the rabble with the dust and the noise and the hustle and the bustle. I'm told that smells bring lots of things vividly to mind so your tummy grumbles as the smell of kebab wafts across from the street vendor that you've just wandered by there's a donkey causing a racket somewhere up ahead and you've got to watch where you go so you don't step in the pile of camel poo. But in the crowd, there's this, there's this buzz of curiosity and expectation to see what Jesus will do because he keeps getting up the nose of the establishment in Jerusalem and yet that is exactly where he's going. He is walking right into the fight that is about to come his way, but he keeps going. And then as we are leaving the city we meet Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he shouts. And over all of the din of the crowd, you can hear him going on and on and on. (laughs) Because it seems that Bartimaeus is the blind man that thinks he can see what others have failed to recognize, that Jesus is the mighty king sent from God to bring mercy to his people. But immediately it strikes us, that Bartimaeus is so very different from a whole bunch of the other people that we've met along the road with Jesus, like the rich young man just a few k's back, who was so assured of his own capacity to be good that he didn't think he needed mercy. He just wanted to know what he had to do to secure eternal life. But Bartimaeus, so stark in the contrast, he knows who Jesus is, God's rescuing, restoring King, the Son of David. And Bartimaeus knows who he is, himself, the one who needs mercy. And yet the irony is that the crowd's just trying to shut him up, just like those disciples who rebuked the kids, uh, sorry, the the, the parents who brought their children to be blessed by Jesus. Well, people around us start rebuking this blind beggar for making all of his noise, as if he is worthy of Jesus' attention. Bartimaeus, son of worth, no, no. He's unworthy. Shut up, would you? And as we walk along the road, we find ourselves looking on at him in the same way that the crowd around us does. Just a nameless, blind man. Annoying. Disruptive. Irrelevant. But that's not how Jesus sees him. Because this blind beggar stops Jesus in his tracks. We read it there in verse 49. Jesus stopped. Here we are. We're on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is resolutely pushing on towards his goal. He's kind of hit the zone for the for the climb to the summit and he stopped. Because this is the kind of person that he came for. As Jesus said way back at the start, the son of man, son of man came not for the healthy but for the sick. He came for sinners. He came for people who know they need mercy. And I've got to say, as I stand there in the crowd, it's pretty humbling that Jesus notices the people that we choose to ignore, the people that we walk past. While others rebuke and silence this beggar, Jesus stops and calls him. But actually, we can't help noticing that Jesus didn't call out to him directly. He asked us to go and get him. call him, Jesus said to the crowd. We, we're here in the crowd following Jesus and Jesus gets us to call Bartimaeus, to bring him, to make the introduction. We don't get to stand idly by while Jesus deals with this noisy beggar on the side. We are told to get involved. And the invitation's pretty straightforward. Cheer up, get up, he's calling you. Bartimaeus has been crying out, but now he's the one who receives the call. Jesus is calling you. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do with you? Sorry, what do you want me to do for you? It's exactly the same question that he asked his disciples, James and John, just the other side of Jericho when we were wandering in. But how different it was then. You could see written all over James and John's face. They, just, they were just presuming to ask Jesus anything that they wanted and they wanted a piece of his glory. But here, Bartimaeus is simply crying out, mercy. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked. Rabbi, I want to see. Of course he does. He's a blind man, right? It's the most obvious thing to ask for. It's exactly what you would expect a blind beggar to ask. Except it's not. I'm sure we've all had beggars ask us for money or maybe <laughs> a meal. a smoke because that's what they think we can give them but Bartimaeus sees who Jesus is he is the son of David the one who opens the eyes of the blind and in the Old Testament that was a picture of something much deeper than just physical sight it was God God's work of bringing real sight a spiritual sight to see beyond the cloud of darkness of of a sinful world and sinful hearts And Bartimaeus shows us what it means to cry out to Jesus because he cries out for the mercy that we all need. Even if we've got 20-20 vision, we all need the sight that only the Son of David can give. And at this point, we realise what Jesus has been doing this whole journey down from Galilee in the north because we're reminded of the last time we saw Jesus heal a blind man. That was miles back, way up north in the country. But back then, Jesus did it in two stages. It kind of sticks in our memory because it was a bit weird. He can make leprosy go with a touch and raise someone from the dead with a word. And yet he healed that blind man in two stages. There was this odd moment where that blind man was able to see just a little bit, but only with a fuzzy image, just a blurry outline. And then Jesus went on and finished the job and he could see clearly. But here, with Bartimaeus, there is no hesitation. Bartimaeus immediately received his sight. And we realise that Jesus has been making a point, a point of this this whole walk from Galilee down to the south, showing us all that too often people think they can see Jesus. But we still need him to help us to see him clearly, as he really is. And we realise, yeah, actually, straight after that last blind man healed in two stages... Peter had kind of been so keen to blurt out, Jesus is the Messiah, another name for the son of David, God's great king. But Jesus just kept showing how blurry Peter's picture of the Messiah was, that Peter still needed Jesus' help to see him clearly. Because on that journey, ever since then, Jesus has repeated himself again and again and again, that he's going to be rejected and die and rise that he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has been going over and over again what it means to be his disciple, to take up our cross and follow him. Remember that the last blind man was healed in two stages and actually we realise that, yeah, actually, if we're looking for Jesus to meet our agenda, then we're only ever seeing him in this sort of fuzzy outline but it's Bartimaeus that sees him clearly. Because he's the blind man who knows he needs to see and he knows that Jesus is the one to do it. Rabbi, I want to see. It suddenly dawns on me. You would only ask that if you knew this is the help that you need and you trust that Jesus is the one who can do it. And go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Then we pause and we realize, right from the start, Jesus has always said, it is about faith. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And there's Bartimaeus on the side of the road. Son of David, he shouts out. Have mercy on me. I want to see. Immediately, he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road which, if I'm honest, is almost the last thing I expected him to do. Because, yes, it's quite amazing that a blind man can now see, but it was really surprising to see what he did with that. Because I could think of a whole bunch of other things that I'd probably get on and do. Like, he'd go and see his family, get on with his life and enjoy all of the things that he's been missing out on as a blind man... Actually, even, we just walked past the market, just the simple pleasure of walking without a guide, unaided down to the market to choose out a bright red tomato simply for the joy of being able to see a bright red tomato. I could think of all sorts of things I would do if I was given my sight. But Bartimaeus doesn't do any of that. He doesn't take God's mercy and head the other way. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road but then that's what Jesus has been doing this whole time, isn't it? Calling people to follow him. I remember back to when he first met Peter and James and John in their fishing boats. Come follow me, he said. And he said that's actually what sums up his disciples, that we pay up our cross and we follow him. Following him is kind of what it's all about. And now the blind man, who we met sitting by the road, well, now Bartimaeus follow Jesus on the road and it dawns on us that we are being schooled in discipleship by a blind beggar that we hardly noticed. So, depending on how effective your imagination is, you might want to pause that, suspend that thought, come back to a gym here in Hove. So we step out of this really short but powerful account, I hope we've come to see some of how Bartimaeus exemplifies discipleship for us. I mean, to summarise some of that for us, he's he's heard enough about Jesus to know that he is the one who can truly open our eyes. He's cried out for mercy because he knows he doesn't deserve it. He shows faith with the simplicity of his request. I want to see it. I want to see knowing that Jesus can do it. And receiving his sight, he follows Jesus on the road, the road that leads straight to the suffering and the rejection and the death that Jesus says is coming. And in Bartimaeus, God is kind to give us a pretty great role model of discipleship. So to take us back to where we start, we all know how important role models are, don't we? That they show us that it can be done, they show us the way that it can be done, they show us a worked example of what it can look like to emulate. Even though our circumstances are different, we follow role models, not because we live the same life as them, but because we can see how the lessons that they illustrate apply into my life. And we know how important good role models are. So if we want to choose them wisely in the ordinary things of life, then how much more in following Jesus? And I think whether we're checking out Jesus for the first time, we've been following him for years God has been very kind to give a great role model of discipleship in Bartimaeus he models for us the humility of faith in Jesus as the only one who can open our eyes to to help us to really see for all of the things that we might think we need to know and understand and be trained in and equipped with and educated in we need Jesus to see this world the way that it is and ourselves and him as he really is So in a couple of moments, like Matt already mentioned, we're going to take a few minutes just to to pause and to reflect on what has stood out to us from this story and to consider what it's teaching us about following Jesus. But before I do, I reckon it's worth acknowledging that God's been really kind to give us a whole stack of wonderful role models, great examples of faithful discipleship. It, It occurs to me that too often we fumble our way through life as if we've got to reinvent the wheel when in fact God has been kind to give us many great role models, if we'll only take the time to reflect on them. One of the best ways I think we can do this is through um, reading biblically grounded Christian biography. I don't know if you're a big reader and that looks like a fun afternoon or if you're thinking, no, this will take me a month to get through. Either way, it's fine. I just thought I'd bring along some of my favourite Christian biographies. I've put the details up on the sermon notes for you. Because actually these are wonderful ways of seeing snapshots of how Jesus has called people to follow him and in the circumstances of life they've done it. I've got Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany, um, Helen Rose Veer working in the Congo and Rosaria Butterfield uh, converted from a life of radical progressive English professor to humble disciple of Jesus. You might want to jump on the Facebook group and sort of share your different things that you know books that you have found really encouraging great role models that you've appreciated but in a more immediate way this is actually what we do when we come to church church is all about putting uh, God putting us in the midst of role models of discipleship and I want you to pause as we've reflected on the brief story of Bartimaeus to to reflect on what it means to be blessed, to be part of a community that is full of role models. Young men and women working out what it means to be a Jesus follower alongside their peers who are chasing after everything that the world can offer. Or mums and dads just putting one foot in front of the other as they fumble their way, I should say we fumble our way through parenting as a context of discipleship. Single people striving to find their contentment in Christ in a society that says if you're not coupled then you're incomplete. Top tier professionals who work hard to never forget that they are not that different to a blind beggar who needs Jesus to open their eyes. Retirees working out what it means to live all of life for the glory of the one who has given them a sure and certain hope. I could keep going When we come to church, we gather with people following Jesus in the various circumstances of life. And yes, we are flawed, for sure, but still great examples to learn from. And if you're following Jesus yourself, then your presence is an opportunity to be that role model to someone else too. So let's do life together. At a practical level, Matt's already uh, flagged those uh, growth group bubble studies and said, "This is something that our growth groups will be going together, uh, going through together uh, between now and Easter." That's that's role modelling. As we reflect on this together, we share it together. We we open up each other's lives. If you're not in a growth group, let this be a good prompt to get in touch with us and say, how "I'd like to be." But we're also going to pause here in just a minute. Because we thought, Matt and I as we chatted it through, Lent does provide us a really helpful opportunity reflecting on the significance of the cross of Jesus. Now for some of us, Lent is a very familiar concept, for others of us it's a totally new term. Put really simply, it's the six weeks leading up to Easter that Christians have traditionally used as a time for reflecting on the significance of Jesus' death. So we've got some growth group studies that help us do that. Our sermons are going to continue to do that. We'll pause and take some time in just a minute to do that. But even if you're not in a growth group or in addition to a growth group, why not grab one of those little guides, working through it, reflecting in your week, and then catching up with someone over a coffee so that we can role model to each other, wrestling together with what it means to follow Jesus. But for now, as I've mentioned, as Matt's already mentioned, we're going to pause for a minute And give you a quiet moment to think on the things that we've heard but I want to want to take you back to the scene if you will if you'll come with me back onto that dusty road out of Jericho once more I want to take you back into the midst of this large crowd that's following Jesus except now the the kind of the clamour of Jericho the the noise of the city it's kind of fading behind us and you become more aware of the huffing and puffing of those around you because Yes, the road has certainly started to get hilly, you can feel your heart rate climbing and yet, as you look up, you recognise the bloke walking in front of you. It's Bartimaeus, the man who once was blind but now he sees and it is so clear that he is delighted to follow Jesus on the road. You can just see his joy, it kind of oozes out of him. It's his relief, it's his wonder is a bit like a Labrador pup who can't just can't get enough of the journey because he's so excited to be on the road and you can hear him chatting with the people around him hey hey have you met Jesus man he totally changed things for me I once was blind but now I see and it was Jesus he's no ordinary man he's God's glorious king sent to save us have you met him come and meet him I mean he's so great I just want to know him more or you have you met Jesus Yes, you, yes, of course I mean you. Sure, no one else wants to speak to you, just like no one else paid any attention to me, but he will. Come and meet him. Yes, you, what about you over there? No, 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 I'm talking to you. Yes, you in the suit with the fancy watch, trying to look the other way. Come and meet Jesus, even though everyone thinks you've got it all sorted. You and I both know you don't. Just come and meet him. And on and on, Bartimaeus chats away. He calls out to the passers-by as you plod up the hill behind him. And yet, for all of his chatter, the thing that keeps rolling around in your mind while you walk is the simple humility of his request. Lord, I want to see. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So let's take a minute to reflect on what God's been teaching us.